Uh, our next guest this evening on the Irish NFL show, we're delighted to welcome in uh, Justin Graver, media producer, video editor with the NFL, different artists as well. Justin, it's it's brilliant to have you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks for having me on to talk about this, guys. Justin, a couple of, well, I'll, I'll give you two questions for, for, for a start. Have you any Irish heritage? Have you been to Ireland? Uh, and secondly, can you maybe tell some viewers or listeners maybe a bit about yourself? Because some of your media work is is top notch. I am referring to the Avengers video, which is pinned on you guys. <laughs> the greatest thing I've <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Um, I don't have any Irish heritage. I've never been to Ireland. Uh, closest I've been is to London once when I was 17, I think. I have a lot of German background, but no Irish, unfortunately. Um, I'd love to see Ireland one day. I hear it's beautiful out there. But yeah, my my role right now, I work for the NFL as a podcast and media digital content producer. I have a few shows that I'm working on. And I on the side, I make videos and Twitter threads and film breakdowns about the Tennessee Titans, which is my favorite team. And uh, that's actually how I ended up getting my job at the NFL was just making videos on Twitter and doing podcasts and live streams. And they, I, I applied for the job and they didn't care. I had a, I worked for a photographer here in LA for like seven years working with some celebrities and high profile stuff. And like, it was a really cool, fun job. NFL didn't care at all about that experience when they were <laughs> interviewing me for this job. They just cared about what I was doing on Twitter with podcasts and things like that. So it's pretty cool. Well, your your videos are top notch in fairness, so uh, I'm not not surprised <laughs> they they sat up and and take notice. And the other thing, Justin, is you haven't been to Ireland yet, so uh, yeah. you now you now have a, a whole set of tour guides to to show you show you around. But um, as you mentioned, you are a, a Tennessee Titans fan. Suppose just um your take on you know the season as it played out. Variable ends up with coach of the year, but um you know how did you feel about like the the loss to to the Bengals and your thoughts maybe on what the the team need to do in the off season? Yeah, the Titans had a pretty a pretty tough year, but they they battled through a lot, lots of injuries. Obviously, you lose Derrick Henry. I think Titans fans in general learned a lot about the team this year because. Before this season, I think a lot of people would have said Derrick Henry is the engine of the Titans offense, and without him, they can't do anything. Tannehill's mediocre at best, and maybe some other things like that. But then Henry goes down, and the running game didn't really suffer that much. They, Deontay Foreman comes in and looks like a stud behind the offensive line. They ran for over 200 yards as a team against the New England Patriots. They beat the Rams and the Saints without Derrick Henry, and they had some quality wins on the schedule without Henry on the team. So... Now you're looking at how to attack this offseason. Derrick Henry came back for the playoffs, lose to the Bengals. Henry had a lot of carries in that game and wasn't super effective. Maybe too soon off the injury, wasn't back in, in his rhythm of things. So I think you look at just adding playmakers around Tannehill in the offense because Ryan Tannehill really struggled in that loss. The rest of the team played pretty well. The defense had nine sacks on Joe Burrow's Bengals, but... The offense couldn't do a whole lot. A.J. Brown was effective, but he was really the only playmaker doing anything. Julio Jones, who knows if his hamstring will ever be really healthy again. So I think for the Titans, you got just got to add other wide receivers, playmakers, guys that can like take any touch to the house. And I think that's the kind of, you know, generate explosive plays like that. As far as the loss to the Bengals, it really sucks when your team gets nine sacks in a game and, and loses, which is just, I mean, it's only happened like twice in NFL history or something like that crazy um but the Bengals 
until they that Super Bowl, I mean, they they had a lot of like team of destiny vibes about them i thought it was just they were really fun to watch if you're gonna lose to somebody in the afc like i'd hate to have lost to josh allen hate to have lost to the chiefs because the titans beat those teams already in the regular season but the Bengals, like they were such a fun young team to root for so i was okay with it just another interesting story which broke the weekend we were all in la i suppose impacts your division it's the colts and the fact that it looks like already they're moving on from carson wentz um kind of see it as a bit of a strange move because for a long time during the season it looked like they were certainly going to be in the playoffs and if they were a game away against the Jags from being in the playoffs so to make that decision right. now with no first round pick and no third round pick because obviously that's gone to Philadelphia are you surprised they're going down that road and you know it's a bit of an unknown then for them in terms of where they go from here right I I don't think Carson Wentz is a great quarterback who's going to take them that far but what is the upgrade that they're looking at are they going to try to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or something? Like they have so much money or picks that they've dedicated to Wentz. Now they're going to go and mortgage more of their future to go get a mediocre veteran, or they're going to draft somebody in like the second round and hope that he can start as a rookie. I agree. It's kind of weird. I think it comes from Jim Ursay. I think this is like a meddling owner thing. He put out some weird tweets during the Super Bowl and during the playoffs. It was like, if your team can't score 30 points and you can't hold opponents under 30 points, then you're not going to win. And it's like, yeah, that's football. <laughs> you kind of score and you kind of play defense. Um, but I don't know. I, I would be worried if I was a Colts fan that like Jim Irsay is getting his hands into things and not letting the people he hired to do their jobs, do those jobs. I think it's a weird move. I don't think Carson Wentz is a good quarterback, but I think he's better than anything they would be able to replace him with right now. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. We're in peak off-season mode to the point, it was it like two or three weeks before the Super Bowl? Uh, actually, it might have been a week before the Super Bowl. People were saying that Aaron Rodgers had, or was trying to buy a house in Nashville. I, I have to say, I just started laughing when I seen that. I love this time of the year, Justin, but say, I guess for you as somebody you know invested in the Titans, what do you want to see Ryan Tannehill maybe improve most of all in this offseason? Maybe recharge, or is there anything that really stands out to you? Yeah, I think, I don't know if this comes from Tannehill himself or if this comes from the offensive coordinator and the play design or what, but it feels like he doesn't target his best players in crucial moments. And if you go all the way back to the 2020 playoff loss at home as the four seed to the Baltimore Ravens, the last play of the Titans season on offense was an interception targeting fourth string wide receiver Khalif Raymond, who fell down on the route, and the season ended with a Ryan Tannehill interception. This year against the Bengals, you got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones as your top two wide receivers, and you're targeting undrafted free agent second year Nick Westbrook-Akina on the most important play of the game. Balls batted in the air and intercepted second year in a row. The Titans season ends on a Ryan Tannehill interception. Like, I think it's just about decision-making. The the interception he threw in that game, incredible. Well, he threw three. But the uh, the tipped one on the screen pass, Mike Hilton makes an incredible play to tip the ball and come down with it. But the throw wasn't there. Just throw it at somebody's feet. Make better decisions. So it's weird because he had a really great 2019 when he took over for Marcus Mariota. He had a, a really great 2020 season. A lot of people say, like, oh, it's Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, and and maybe so. Maybe a lot of it is having those playmakers around him, but he was near the top of the league in EPA per play, top of the league in passer rating, top of the league in yards per attempt. I mean, all these stats that he was just, like, up there with the best quarterbacks in the league. 
2021, not a great season. They lose Arthur Smith to the Falcons. Todd Downing steps in as offensive coordinator. Kind of a, I mean, a lot of Titans fans were hoping that Todd Downing would get fired after this season, but wasn't working with a whole lot with injuries to Henry and A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. Everybody was injured this year for the Titans. So I'd like to see Tannehill make better decisions overall. Target your best players in the fourth quarter. A.J. Brown had one target in the fourth quarter of the Bengals game. And if that's like the offensive coordinator just calling more plays for A.J., whether it's like a screen, just get him the ball and see if he can make a play. That's what I'd like to see more of. Just get your best players the football. And that's, I mean, playmakers make plays and win football games. Yeah, and in terms of, I guess, you know, making plays, one of the Titans players who did that more than anyone this year was Jeffrey Simmons. And just interested in, in your take on them. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Broncos fan. Jarrell Casey came across, and, you know, obviously that, unfortunately, due to injury, didn't work out. But the Titans did that, you know, because they believed in Simmons. But this year was a real breakout year. He And I'm interested, I suppose, in both in, in terms of Simmons, but also... Why do you think he, in terms of the league, flew under the radar? Like, it seemed to me, while watching the game, like, it was very obvious this was one of the best defensive tackles. He doesn't get the Pro Bowl. Obviously, he has that game against Joe Burrow. But, what, right. you know, for from your perspective as a Titans fan, why did Jeffrey Simmons not get the respect he deserved? I think playing on the Titans has a little bit to do with it. The Titans are a really small market. They don't get a ton of national attention, national recognition. The Colts had seven pro bowlers and they didn't make the playoffs. The Titans had one originally, and then they had it ended up with Landry and Simmons and uh, Roger Saffold all getting added as alternates. But it's kind of crazy when you think about like the media drives so much of like what we think narrative wise about which teams are good and which players are great. And Jeffrey Simmons had three sacks against the Rams earlier this year. He had three sacks in the playoff game against the Bengals. He's, put in some monster dominant performances he hasn't been super consistent he'll he'll have a three sack game and then he'll kind of disappear the next game I think he was helped a lot by the addition of Danico Autry the Titans signed this offseason who I think is a super underrated defensive tackle who can go out and play end as well he he had nine and a half sacks this year himself so he actually had more sacks than Simmons on the season he was a great addition to the defensive line and having a front four with Harold Landry, Bud Dupree on the outside, Danico Autry, and Jeffrey Simmons on the inside allows Jeffrey Simmons to get those one-on-one -on -one matchups. And I think that's why he was able to kind of break out this year is the players around him were simply a lot better than, than the last two years. And also, he's just that much further removed from the torn ACL. He fell in the draft to the Titans because of that ACL tear that he suffered training for the Combine back in his 2019 draft season. So I think being under the radar... From that standpoint is one of the reasons, but I also think the NFL kind of does this a lot where they give a player the proper respect the year after, like they're, they're sometimes a year late on like identifying who these rising players are just as a media base. We kind of do that because we're fixated on the guys we already know. And over this next few months, over the summer, we're going to get people like Brian Baldinger and, and national media analysts like breaking down stuff from last season and the Twitter timeline is going to be filled with Jeffrey Simmons highlights and like going into next year, there's going to be a lot of hype around what's he going to do? Is he going to take another step? And 
I think we'll really start to see him get the respect he deserves next year. I don't think he's like an Aaron Donald level player, but I don't think anyone is really an Aaron Donald level player. If you can, if he can get to like a Chris Jones level of impact, then I think he'll really start to get the respect that he deserves. Justin, the, the Super Bowl just gone. There's a first Super Bowl since 1975 that were a first and a second seed didn't make the final. And, and obviously the Titans were the number one seed this year. And Vrabel has done a fantastic job over the course of his time there. Did a lot of the Titans fans step away from the season feeling like it's one that got away? Like, you know, you touched on the fact that he's lost the Bengals and you felt they were on, they were on a, I suppose, a destiny, a destiny run. But if it had been the Bills or Chiefs, it would have been more disappointing. Do you feel that was a... A great season overall, or is one that could have been could have really been a lot better? I think it was disappointing overall because, you know, th- these kinds of opportunities and these kinds of Super Bowl windows just don't come along very often. And to be able to get the one seed and the home field advantage and just squander it the way the team did, and really Ryan Tannehill did, to be completely frank, is is disappointing, especially in a year that felt so wide open. It's like, you don't have to deal with the Mahomes and the Josh Allen's or the Tom Brady's like all those guys were eliminated uh, before the Super Bowl at least. And most of them before the conference championship. So to see that this kind of year where it's that wide open and you're the team that's like battled through so much adversity and so many injuries and still managed to get the one seed. I think it's a successful regular season, but to not even win a playoff game overall is a pretty big disappointment for most Titans fans. I mean, Titans fans wanted to see changes. They were like, fire the offensive coordinator, bring in a new quarterback. Like Titans fans were massively overreacting. Like guys, we got the one seed. Like we don't need to make sweeping changes. We just need to be better in the playoffs. But yeah, overall pretty disappointing outcome. Yeah, like the, the Titans, for someone who's not a Titans fan, I, I enjoy watching the Titans. As we say in Ireland, something's good crack, it's good fun. Mike Vrabel, Justin, is great crack. Like, his press <laughs> conferences get me through a working week. Um, obviously, like, you know, you're, you're a busy man working with the NFL. You know, Lots of stuff going on there with uh, producing. Producing around the NFL podcast, and look, I, I know you know as well, Like the, the guys are so popular over here, and the heroes are just growing and growing in popularity, and they're great guys as well. We were lucky to meet Dan, and I said a little Mark a few weeks ago. Um, just your thought maybe on, on, on the growth of that show over here, and also the growth of, of the league over here. It's, it's incredible to see, even over the last couple of years. Yeah, it is really cool to see the league continue to expand. I know that Around the NFL has such a big international audience, the Great, great Britain... Uh, Australia, and it's growing in Germany. The NFL is going to start playing games in Germany now, too. So I think it's great for the game, and it's cool to see players who are not born in America come over and and be successful football players in the league. I think around the NFL is, uh, I mean, honestly, has a big part in raising the popularity of the sport because it gives you another another set of narratives to follow another group of people to like listen to talk about football that you continue to stay engaged with. And those guys, I can't say enough about how, how cool it is to work with those guys. Um, Erica Tamposi, Ricky Hollywood, she's the producer and I kind of just like assist her and some episodes I'll take on more of a, a bigger role when she gets really busy. Cause she's a growing superstar herself. She's got her own podcast now split ends and she's doing big things. She's going to keep rising and, it's cool to see her continuing to get success and that gives me more opportunity to work with those guys on the show. And honestly, like they constantly make an effort to bring me on the show, ask how I'm doing thoughts on the Titans. They know that I know more about the Titans than they do because 
it's hard to follow 32 teams in the NFL as closely as a fan follows their team, right? But yeah, it's I mean it's super fun and uh, atmosphere to work in, and everyone jokes around. Obviously, the loss of Chris Wessling weighs heavy on everyone's heart, and I personally I never got to know Chris. I started working in April, so it was a few months after he passed, but his impact is still felt. And like, I just, I feel sad. I never got to know him, but the guys do such a great job carrying on his legacy and carrying on the show and continuing to make it fun, even through hard times. Like the Super Bowl, especially is like the, almost the anniversary of Chris's passing. And the guys continue to put on a good show and make it fun for everybody and the listeners and keep everyone engaged. So I really love working with those guys. They're, they're great on camera and they're really nice guys, great guys off camera as well. Justin, I suppose when I look at the AFC South, um, certainly when it comes to the AFC, I think um, outside of the Titans, the, the Colts, Texans and Jags, possibly the most dysfunctional ownership. We touched on Javerse earlier, but certainly the Texans and the Jags. I mean, I think potentially only the, the NFC East um, could, uh, could come anywhere near it. But like, what's it like as a Titans fans as you survey the the other teams and you look at their uh, their ownership dysfunction yeah you know what's crazy the Titans have now had six straight winning seasons which is in a league full of parity in the NFL I mean I don't think they get recognized enough for the consistency that they've shown over these last six years but a couple of years ago 2018 2019 it was like can the Titans pull off a division win and like you're still rooting in week 15, 16, 17 for like the divisions coming down to the wire. It's either the Colts or Deshaun Watson and the Texans, but things change so quickly with Deshaun Watson's entire trade request and legal situation. And I don't really want to get too wrapped up on that, but the Texans are such a dysfunctional organization. Now the Jaguars, obviously like who, who didn't see urban Meyer failing? I mean, I feel like that was something that we all could see coming from a mile away well, well before anything bad actually happened. And so going into this last season and even this season before it, as a Titans fan, you're kind of like, this is what Patriots fans must have felt like for years. Is like, all right, when do the playoffs start? Because you just kind of expect to win the division when the rest of it is being, like all these teams are being run so poorly. And I saw a chart today. It was using Pro Football Focus's wins above replacement metric, which whatever you think of PFF is a, neither here nor there. It had every team's, total wins above replacement added through the draft at non-quarterback positions. Every single team in the NFL was positive. They've added wins above replacement, which makes sense. You're adding players to your team, except for one, the Texans had a negative wins above replacement added in the draft since 2019. <laughs> How is that even possible? Um, so yeah, seeing the dysfunction around the, the division, it's kind of fun to laugh at. Well, my buddies have a podcast, uh, Football and Other F-Words podcast, which is a Titan-centric podcast, but one of their favorite segments to do is just laugh at the Jaguars and <laughs> like look at the moves that Jaguars have made recently and honestly just laugh at them. Although, we'll see what happens here. I mean, Doug Peterson's a pretty good hire for them, but even that was such a weird process because it came out of nowhere. He wasn't mentioned as one of their finalists. It was like they had all these other interviews lined up, and Byron Leftwich doesn't want to work with Trent Baalke, and... There are rumors that he's going to bring Adrian Wilson in to be the GM, but then none of that happens, and Trent Baalke's still there and hiring Doug Peterson. So as long as Trent Baalke's in charge, I think that the Jaguars will continue to be a disaster. <laughs> it's pretty funny just like looking around the division and, and kind of laughing at the other teams, to be honest. 
Justin, we're a few weeks away from free agency and the free agency frenzy and that week itself is always mad and just deals seem to be happening every couple of minutes. Is there, And the cap, of course, has been increased significantly compared to where it was last year, so we should see some heavy hitters getting involved. Is there any particular team that you think, you know, if they get the right players in place, can come back next year, if, if even teams that didn't make the playoffs that you feel that are on the kind of the cuff of being a really good side going forward? I think the Chargers are a team like that, that if they make the right additions on the offensive line, I feel like they need to get some veterans in on the offensive line because they continue to kind of strike out with their offensive line draft picks, although Rashawn Slater was very good this year. Um, so I think the Chargers, if they continue to beef up their defense, if they can retain Mike Williams somehow, he's a, he's a candidate, I think, for maybe maybe not the franchise tag, maybe the transition tag, which is a little bit lower cost and allows him to go try and match the deal. but. I don't know if he's really going to command a huge contract because he's not the most consistent playmaker, but I think the Chargers are a team that are like ready to take that next step. Justin Herbert is such an electric, fun quarterback that they were so close to making the playoffs this year. I'm honestly not sure what happened to them down the stretch. They kind of like just wasted a chance to be in the in the dance this year, but I think that that will help them fuel for next year. So the Chargers are a team I'm watching. I was hoping for an LA, LA, in LA Super Bowl this year. We got half of it. That was fun, but <laughs> well, I I for one really enjoyed the uh, Chargers tailgate in Santa Monica the night before the Super Bowl. That was the most random oh. thing I've ever seen. In yeah, my life. but it's all it's all love. It's all good. That, but... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Justin, uh, look, it's it's been great hearing your thoughts, not just about the Titans, but about the league as well. Hopefully, we can do this again soon because it's a it's a long, long off season. But for people, especially the growing fan base in, in Ireland, the UK, and Europe, can you maybe let them know where to find you online? Yes, yeah, so you guys can follow me on Twitter at Titans Film Room, Titans Film Room. I post a lot of my content there, videos, and I'm constantly posting and retweeting the, the NFL podcast stuff too that I'm working on. Working on a new podcast with Rachel Benetta, who is a really fantastic talent. The NFL hired a, right at the beginning of last season. She's on the Game Day View show where they make picks for the weekend, and she's been on the Good Morning Football, or not Good Morning, she does Good Morning Football when Kay Adams is out stepping in, and also the Good Morning, or Football Sunday, whatever the Sunday morning show, I should know what this is called, but the Sunday morning show, previewing games and stuff, and uh, she's now got her own podcast, and we're continuing to grow her show. Hopefully, we'll have a video show uh, by next fall that she's like the main driver of, and she's really, it's great to work with her, so I retweet a lot of those clips and a lot of those podcasts and follow me Titans film room. If you're interested in not just Titan stuff, but NFL, lots of Titan stuff too, but a lot of broad NFL stuff as well. <laughs>